0: Welcome back to the Paranormal Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Today's guest has been researching the paranormal for over four decades. His dedication to the search for answers is inspiring. In those 40 plus years, he has been to some beyond haunted places. He's seen and heard some things. He's experimented. He's tested theories. And he has graciously accepted my invitation to come on the show and share his experience with my audience. Paranormal researcher, investigator, and author Richard Palmisano joins us today following this word from our sponsor. Fantasy football champs, our friends at Manscaped want to congratulate you on making it to the 2024 playoffs. As for the rest, well, the fantasy gods have spoken And it is time to shave off that didn't-make-the-cut-playoff beard. No more hiding behind facial hair. Embrace the clean slate with Manscaped's Beard Hedger. Because nothing should be as unruly as your failed trade strategies. Embrace victory and join the 10 million men who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to Manscaped.com and use code PNG for 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped is the ultimate franchise player that will take your face right into the end zone with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It is easier than ever. It is easier than you think to craft your own signature look in the new year. Your strategies may have failed you, but this is an easy win, brothers. (laughs) The Beard Hedger is cordless, waterproof, And gives you 20 different lengths with just one guard. Boop. You just adjust the dial to the length of your choice. And touchdown. Buddies. Upgrade your routine. And indulge in luxury with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It comes with specially crafted formulations. Such as the beard shampoo and conditioner. Oil. Balm. And as a bonus. Manscape throws in the winning touch for your finishing touch with the beard brush, comb, and scissors. My modern beardly brethren, this is not your grandpappy's shave of years past. This right here is a premium beard sculpting machine. (laughs) Get ready for the fantasy football off-season. Like a true grooming champion, And get 20% off and free shipping with our code PNG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using our code PNG. With the Beard Hedger Pro Kit, you're not just shaping your beard, you're crafting that winning look. Richard Palmisano is the author of numerous books covering some of the many hauntings he has investigated and cases he has taken over the years. His novels have been the basis for several documentaries airing on channels like Discovery and A&E. He also established a team of investigators known as the Searcher Group out of Ontario, Canada in 1979. The members of this group are a dedicated bunch who are extremely active in the study of parapsychology and work to provide community support via investigations free of charge to Ontario residents and business owners having difficulty with their haunted locations. The searcher group's intention is not on ridding locations of their spirits. They investigate thoroughly and sincerely using many different methods in order to confirm whether a haunting truly is taking place if so, who is doing it? Reasons why the haunting may be so severe, and then they offer resolutions so that the living and the dead may coexist peacefully. Please enjoy my conversation with Richard Palmazzano.
1: This all started back when I was a child. I was raised in a haunted house. Uh, I remember hearing those noises and the shadows and whispers. As much as it scared me, it piqued my curiosity. So. When I turned eighteen, I started the Searcher Group. It's uh, back in 1979, and uh, so it's been about almost 45 years. And uh, Searcher Group has evolved over time uh, as things did. And uh, I've written uh, five books, published one's coming, <laughs> one's on the way. Ooh. Um, I've did some documentaries. I, uh, I'm also a theorist. Uh, So I like to take old theory and see if it actually works. Take it into the field and apply it and see if it actually works. Because I find a lot of them, these old theories aren't worth the paper they're written on. You know, it's like trying to hammer in a square peg in a round hole. And I also write new theory uh, based on uh, other people's experiences, my experiences, field work. So I, I, I look at trends and I look at what happens and how it happens and then I write theory on it. And I'm hoping that, you know, when I get this theory, when I get these theories out, that people actually run with them and go take them out and, and try them themselves. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's the only way we make progress. And, you know, we come up with a theory, it's either good or it's bad. And right. I wrote it, so I think it's good, but it may not be. So I want people to try it and see if it works. And if it works and, if, and they can apply it, then maybe we're making some advancements. Um, I yeah. like to do lecturers. And, I'm sorry?
2: Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I think we I think we got a little pause in there. Please, please continue.
1: Yeah, so I like to do lectures as well. I like to, you know, pass on as much information as I can to people that are interested. A lot of, a lot of people are uh are interested in this field and uh, sometimes they get hooked up on a on a mystery or a problem they can't solve and if I can help. You know, I think like, I like helping so uh, I, I'm i not to say that I know everything. I'm certainly just scratching the surface um, as we all are just, you know, learning uh, as much as we can. Uh, we're nowhere near close to solving this mystery. Okay. Which keeps me involved. You know, if we got rid of this mystery, I don't know what I would do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, what, what I was going to say about your theories. And, and you do get to see uh, some of these in action in your books, which is outstanding. Like Like you don't just sit around and theorize. You actually... Put you know boots to ground you you take these theories and you try them out, and they either work or they don't but I, I I just think that's so incredible and there's some you've got some great ideas, just fantastic ideas that I just didn't really think about in fact, um there was one specifically I'm going to ask you about a little bit later if if you're able to talk about it, just to get to the nitty gritty of it but first uh for for anyone who is not familiar sure. with the searcher group. Um, I, I wanna kinda introduce them to this outstanding team. Um, are you you guys are still active today, yes?
1: We are, we are. Um, you know, logistic wise it's difficult because I I'm living um a couple hours away from the team. Uh so for example, there was a there was an investigation last night, I just couldn't attend because of logistics. But I had the team go out. It was a call for help. Lady needs some help. So uh my brother does this with me as well and uh my assistant director peter and uh another team member james so they went and um uh, i got the report this morning of what was going on and uh, so sometimes logistically i i just can't attend because of the distance I, I live but uh you know we have preferably good ghosts out this way too so <laughs> yeah it goes both ways
0: <laughs> yeah no they're they're everywhere. Um, yeah. well, what do you, do you guys, uh, find that you specialize in any one area of hauntings?
1: Uh, well, I prefer to work in, um, privately owned or, or government owned buildings that aren't being used mm-hmm. as opposed to going out to calls of help, uh, calls of help are, you know, you have privacy issues, you're using surveillance equipment in somebody's home, Uh, sometimes they don't, you know, they're hooked up on the TV thing, the end of it. So they think that it's okay to bring friends and family to watch us work. And that just pollutes the the whole area. You know, you're trying to get EBP and stuff, communication, and people are watching Jeopardy in the background. Uh, So (laughs) I try to, I I, I like uh, places that are reportedly haunted that are pretty much empty. Uh, mm-hmm. old buildings that the government owns or or people own and they haven't used in years and uh right. that's what I like to do I like to get in there because you know you don't have people looking over your shoulder uh you can set up surveillance equipment audio video all kinds of uh, equipment and you can really go to to work on it and uh you don't really have that time-lining crunch you know we got to be in and out in a certain time so that's that's what I prefer to do and uh Finding those those places are, are difficult, but uh, not impossible.
0: Right. Well, yeah, and that that allows you to uh, to do something that I haven't seen a lot of other teams do. It's kind of in contrast to what a lot of other teams do. Uh, people's they, they 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 they're in and out. It's kind of one done, you know. Thank you, ma'am. Whatever. Uh, but you yeah. guys do multiple return visits. And yeah. in this way, especially in like the investigations that you did in ghosts and overshadows you you were able to better piece together uh these these people's identities and right. their histories, and you yeah. don't really think about it, but you have to kind of be able to have like this extended relationship
1: you do, with... you do. Yeah. It, it, yeah you have to you have to develop that relationship over time
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and it takes time. It takes a lot of time. It's, uh, you know, we're not thrill seekers where I find a haunted location. I'm getting good stuff and then off to the next, because that's not how it works. Right. If you find a haunted place, you're getting activity. You stay on it as long as you can. Overshadows was six years. It took me six years to get through that. And, uh, ghosts, uh, down in uh, Mississauga, that, that was uh, a three year investigation. Uh, wow. The city of Mississauga was nice wow. enough to sign the property over to me for, for three years. You know, carte blanche, go just call security and they'll let you in anytime you want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, and that was from a job I did for for the for the city. They asked me to catalog their ghosts because they own a lot of vacant properties and museums. So we did a 10-month project looking at all their different buildings and giving a report on what was liable, what was not haunted. Uh, we worked very closely with the corporate security for the city. Cause a lot of them are afraid to go into certain buildings so we you know we showed them you no know, it's nothing to be afraid of you just go in you're doing your job you check the building um and i, I can do that report because i also on um, you know my other entity uh, is uh, you know i worked almost 40 years within uh, security and law enforcement so i can speak their language and i i understand what they're going through because i I've, I've worked a lot of haunted buildings myself so um so at the end of that 10 month project, they they said, Well, what can we do for you? And I said, Oh, <laughs> you're gonna let me have this place. They said, Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. They gave me a letter and they said, Yeah, I've had it. And uh that was the the probably the craziest building out of the bunch. And uh I just right.
0: loved it. Right. Well that 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 particular building in Ghosts, I, I I don't know if you you can talk about it at the the mansion. That yeah. is that did you say that that was one of canada's most haunted locate like known to be one of canada's most haunted locations
1: that one uh i don't think it was known to be haunted. Oh, okay. i mean i mean uh the community knew uh hmm. the government knew the security team knew outside of the community i don't know if people knew how haunted it was it it was a whole bunch of layers of things happening there you know even after afterwards. It was, and I, I, I carry this close to my heart because I, I just loved it so much, is um, after it was over and I, I got an interview with uh, quite a large TV station in Toronto. It was called uh, City TV. Mm-hmm. And they had a, they had a, a slogan, uh, City TV Everywhere. And that was their slogan. So they said, you want to do the interview? And I said, I'd love to. And uh, so they said, we're going to do it live from the property. And I just chuckled to myself. So they sent their big rig truck down there with all their satellite up links and everything else. And I, I, I was laughing because uh, that type of equipment just doesn't work on that property. Even though there's cell phone tower across the street, uh, you have all the access to your satellite and everything else. And they got there, they couldn't get a connection. So we had to go to the studio to do it. and I. <laughs> Unfortunately, I upset them because I said city TV everywhere except the fusion center. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: Seriously? Yeah,
1: you know, I sometimes I say stuff I shouldn't say. That was one of my <laughs> favorites. Well,
0: that, that that's what was so astonishing about this location was, uh, I, I mean, that too, like all of the electrical malfunctions. Yeah. that people would have there but it was just such a high amount of activity period yeah. and uh in addition to that like a, a lot more that you guys didn't even know you were getting until you know after the fact when yeah. you reviewed the tapes you're like wow like things were happening constantly uh yeah. so it's just it's just really uh i don't know just astonishing to me uh what uh it was
1: uh huh Oh, it was. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, let me uh, let my audience know, like, uh, w- what kinds of, you know, evidence were you able to capture a- at this place? And, and you know, you can talk about the farmhouse as well, if you want to kind of include that all right. in one, but what kinds of evidence and and um, experiences were you having?
1: Right. Well, my first introduction and how I, I fell in love with this property is, uh, it was sort of a last minute uh, thing from the city supervisor. She said, oh, I got another property. I don't know if you want to see it. And the team was kind of tired because we just finished doing a building for them. Uh, everybody's going, ah, why don't we do it another day or something? I said, no, come on. What's it going to hurt? We'll take a drive over and have a look. So we drove down. and You know, it opened up, came off the road, and it was a long, 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 long tree-lined driveway and to this giant mansion on the lake, sitting right on the lake. And, uh, you know, you drive up and you get this feeling. And uh, as you're driving up, the house is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, So we parked. Everybody got out. We're looking around. And two things happened that are hard to explain. But the first was we we sort of spread out. We were looking at the house. Everybody broke into little tiny groups, right, because there was a couple city people there as well. We were talking to them. uh, The first thing is my brother, he tends to dress all in black. So that's fine. So he's off to the side and he's looking at the side of the building and I'm looking at the front of the building and he calls me. I looked over and I went, what? And then I realized I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to something because he was standing behind it. Cause I could see he, he, he smokes and he had a cigarette and I could see the heater off the cigarette and I went, what the hell is this? And this thing took off. It was, it was like a cartoon. It moved so fast and it went behind a, a like a small sapling tree about four or five inches wide and disappeared. (laughs) What the hell is that? And uh, he said, did you see that? And the funny thing is I saw it, it was all black, but he was standing behind it and he said it was all white.
2: Hmm.
1: Bizarre, it was like a negative.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So he came over to our group and we were talking about it and everybody's talking and somebody goes, who's that? And we looked up on the second floor above the doorway uh, somebody had moved the curtain to look up. So there's someone in the house. So security scrambles, and they punch in the alarm code, which was armed. There was no alarm on the, on the property. So uh, how they could in there, I don't know. But So we rushed into the house, and I rushed down the hall to where their stairs was. And I looked up, and the window that they had moved the curtain, the curtain was still swaying. But it was sitting it in midair. It was above the stairway. There's no floor. So it was impossible for anybody to stand there to do what we saw from outside. And I oh, turned around, wow. I looked at the city supervisor and I went, I need this property. <laughs> and that was the deal. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that would that was within the first like what hour of being there. And uh, the first stuff-
1: 15 minutes.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh! Yeah, and, and then I went I home. Know. I
1: couldn't sleep. I went. <laughs> she said, "Okay." I I went home. I couldn't sleep. I was planning the the you know how we're going to do this. Who what team I needed. Yeah. Uh, the type of equipment we are gonna have to use. You know, I just couldn't sleep that night. I was like, "This is exciting." You know, to see that much activity, just like these, they're not shy. So. Yeah. But,
0: uh, yeah. The, no, they, they definitely.
1: Of, yeah, we got a lot of stuff out of that. Investigation, and you know, it turned into uh, well, uh, I guess, a double murder mystery. And then, you know, we found that uh, farm across the road was connected to the mansion. Uh, it was all one property at one time, and they severed it and sold it off to a a young couple that wanted to build their mansion on the lake. And he was a lawyer. He didn't live long after that. He passed away a heart attack, um, and the wife stayed there, and then she remarried. The name of the property got lost in history, and nobody knew, because uh, uh, even even the curators and the, ma- and the managers of the museums didn't have the right information. You know, so right. you, and this is where this is where it can go wrong for investigators. Right? They just take it as gospel. These guys are in the know, and they know, so I'm going to run with it, and uh, you take that information, but it was wrong. So I had to do some deep dive and find the, the actual right, through genealogy and everything else and find the the true uh, story, and uh, which was good because I went back to the city afterwards and I said, here's the information. And they Mm -hmm. went, wow, and they actually went around and renamed the property to the owner that originally owned it, which was nice. It was very nice. It was very befitting. I mean, it's her house. She should have it named after her. Instead of an ex-husband that was a womanizer and a cheater, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. very important. Don't, don't take things as gospel, you know, dig into it. Look into it. You know, you may find it's correct, but you may also find it's not right. And you, you can, you know, do what you're supposed to do as an investigator to find the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well that that's such a huge part of this uh work that that kind of gets lost in the mix. Um and people think that they're doing the the research and the right amount of research but you know this is kind of case in point of well you know some another investigator might have only gone so far as to see okay well the city says it's this and this and this of course but i mean you discovered so much more and furthermore you were able to kind of piece these these puzzle pieces together Uh, Not just from that deep dig into, you know, genealogy and the records and all of that, but you were able to confirm what you were finding based on the evidence that you were capturing based on uh, two mediums that you had Mm -hmm. on location that they didn't they didn't know anything they weren't front loaded and they were able to confirm what you already knew but that was just it it was just such a great case from beginning to end and uh this was also the location this uh this was the experiment that i wanted to ask you about Mm -hmm. uh you conducted just it was just a really uh, interesting experiment based on sound based on frequency You recall, are are you able to talk about this a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, sure. So, uh, when we ran that experiment in the ghost book, that was the second time we ran it. Uh, the first time we ran it was in overshadows. Um, so I'll I'll just bring you through it because the second experiment didn't work, and uh, (laughs) I don't know if I was being taught, I don't know if you believe in synchronicity or coincidence, or but I'll, I'll just take take you through it quickly here so overshadows i had i had an idea of of building an experiment that i wanted to run and basically what i wanted to do is see if i could merge two realities our reality and their reality so i had a a couple of good friends that worked in a government lab a technical science lab and um, i would go to them and i bring my crazy ideas and i go how do i do this and you know They start talking in science, and uh, I don't speak that language, so they start talking in this, uh, might as well be Latin. And uh, they said, you need to do this, 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 this. I said, okay, so now let's go through it in English. What do I need? Okay, so you need a frequency generator. You need a preamp. You need a couple of speakers. And then here's the math for the setup, right, because you have to have the speakers exactly proportionate to the house uh, at a specific distance to create the standing wave. I said okay this is great so i took all the equipment i borrowed some of the equipment uh, they would let me borrow the uh, the frequency generator from the lab signed it out they tested it worked great so i went to went to the place i said okay who am i going to have here for the experiment so my brother came a medium came and i needed a, a skeptic i need somebody that would like this is nonsense so i knew a guy He was a magician, he ran a paranormal show. Uh, He could fake anything, basically. And I said, Okay, this is the guy. So I asked him, I said, You want to come? He said, Yeah, his name was Scott McClellan. So he said, Sure. So he came. And uh, so I set all the equipment up and everything, turned it on. So basically, what I was trying to do was uh, create a standing wave, the main floor of the house. So we did this and we waited a few minutes and you could hear it working and then the house sort of came alive we heard creaking footsteps whispers and the air sort of filled up with a almost like a soot floating in the air black Mm -hmm. soot it was really bizarre and then there was heavy pounding coming down the stairs and then all the hell broke loose and scott was the first guy at the back door and then followed by my medium and my brother and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> so i shut the machine off and i you know so i caught up i caught up to them and i i stopped i said scott what's going on what are you doing he says i'm a, am out am out and i said but you're my skeptic he goes yeah i'm out and he went home <laughs> so we regrouped and the three of us went back the house seemed okay Tory put me down and i didn't want to poke the bear anymore that night so fast forward to the uh, place in Mississauga, the old mansion. I wanted to run that experiment again. So I went into, uh, in the lab, it was a Friday, We're going borrow. I'm going to borrow the frequency generator. I went in and said, uh, the guy's name was Lester, great guy, I said, uh, can I borrow that? He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to try my experiment at this other house. He says, okay. So plugged it in, tested it all, but he turned the machine on. And they, they have a radio running in a lab, AMFM radio. And uh, so he, he turned, as soon as he turned it on, the radio, it was a radio station, Q107, and it started playing um, Highway to Hell on the radio. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he gave me this strange look, and he went, just shook his head, and he said, okay. He shut it off, he says, everything works, here you go. I signed it out, went away. And uh, so I did the, ran, tried to run the experiment. At this house and uh got there set it all up turn it on and the led wouldn't work so without the led i couldn't find the frequency i needed so it was a scrub it's like oh man so monday i took it back the game man i was you know uh disappointed i said lester it didn't work he says, we tested it. it didn't work leds fried or something it just wouldn't display so, I went down. so he plugged it in turned it on the leds bright red there they are the radio now this is synchronicity or a coincidence i don't know it was a it was a banner weekend for uh acdc because hell's bells started to play on the radio said, maybe i'm not supposed to do this i said well maybe not but uh (laughs) here we are so uh it worked the first time it's just i wasn't allowed or not allowed to do this or wasn't allowed to do it in that house or i don't know what happened
0: but yeah it's well and, and i it still is, have the machine here
1: it was, it was eventually donated oh wow yeah.
0: have you have How you attempted come? to use it again
1: Uh no, not not yet. not yet no I'm, okay. I'm i'm still pondering the whole you know it's been a long time and i'm still processing that information and i'm wondering if i should or if i shouldn't it's uh, you know it's a responsibility of the uh, investigator to investigate but you have to you have to pull back once in a while and say i can but should i you know and when you start looking at all the implications and, and yeah you want to know but at what cost so you know i had a good friend at the time and he, he looked at me and he said isn't this sort of like biblical and i said what do you mean and he says well but you're trying to merge the two realities i said yeah he says isn't there something about all that live and all that have lived on the world standing there at once
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah <laughs> okay oh. so yeah so sometimes you have to pull back and see maybe it's not a great you know, yeah, just because just, you just
0: because much. you can yeah yeah oh and you know i when i read that i automatically uh, just assumed, yeah. Of course, it's not working because it's on the property. This is just one more example of electronic malfunction. You know, par for the course for this place. Well, that's
1: true as well. That is true yeah. as well.
2: Yeah. I,
1: I had a uh, one of the tech guys. He was uh, he's like Wiley e. Coyote. He can build anything out of anything, right? MacGyver kind of guy. And he's got all the gadgets and everything. His car looks like it's out of James Bond movie. And he's got a watch it's satellite uplinked and it up, updates every 15 seconds or something and he came out a few times and he goes my watch isn't updated what the hell's going on i said welcome to fusion you can't you're probably not getting an uplink <laughs> so he, he he drove to tim hortons and, went, and it updated his watch and he says yeah it works over there <laughs> said, yeah that's just the way it is of but
2: course that
1: that does. house uh it used to be called the uh the early 70s into the early 80s it was it was called the fusion center and uh it's because the government was doing cold fusion experiments
2: oh and yeah. i believe
1: through yeah. some of those experiments they opened a portal to somewhere else some parallel reality uh, because there was other things on the property that the, the actual ghosts were afraid of And these but they wouldn't go in the house. These things would not go in the house. They just roamed the property. They were very, very, very curious about what we were doing. And they would we would catch them watching us and they looked like shadow people. Uh, You could see they were humanoid looking, but no features, just like a a shadow person. And even the mediums that we brought there described them as uh, uh, two descriptions were they were hollow and they were just static. There was nothing uh-huh. substantial about them. They were just static and hollow. But um, what they were might uh, like just some type of entity that roamed around, and, you know, tried to uh, try to figure out what we were all about. What we were
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That that that's that's not unnerving at all. Just a bunch of <laughs> <No>. <laughs> shadow people running yeah. around the ground, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. my gosh uh you know what i i am going to ask you further about these figures uh you're going to join me backstage in the patreon after uh, we get done here sure. and we're going to explore these shadow figures quite a bit more cuz uh it's 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 been one of my like in top 5 subjects of the paranormal i'm i'm just fascinated by the shadow figure phenomenon yeah. um so uh, along with your return visits multiple return visits. Oh, wait, before I move on to that, I I had a a thought. I just wanted to ask you, do you think, along with maybe like the fusion experiments and and the things that they were doing there that created this uptick in activity, I was wondering, do you think uh, it might have had anything at all to do with its proximity to the large body of water? Because it's right on the lake, is it not? It
1: can they could, and and both overshadows and the fusion place were both on the lake.
0: They were so oh,
1: it okay. Can, uh, yeah, and water creates a lot of energy, so it can it can uh, it can help it along.
0: It can be like a conductor of can sorts, have
1: that right? have to tap into. what's that? Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Oh, like that. Just water. Water can be a, a conductor yeah. of sorts for this type of activity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so they can, okay. you know, they have a readily available source to tap into to, to energize them. Yeah. You know, um, random things happen. Like uh, my medium called me and he said, and he doesn't live anywhere near a lake, but it was just a, a electrical storm. And he called me. He says, hey, that's a weird night. I said, what do you mean? He says, something just walked through my house. He says, but my house isn't haunted. I know it's not. But tonight, something walked through my house. I said, well, maybe you had a visitor says I think it has something to do with the uh, thunderstorm it's very possible we got a lot of reports during that type of activity things tend to ramp up so I guess that's why they they created these devices that put emf into the air and stuff right electromagnetic fields and stuff but I don't find they work but uh probably enough not enough energy yeah, so, yeah it tends to ramp up yeah, stuff like that or a, a large body of water and there was a convergence on the, in the Mississauga Mansion. So we had Lake Ontario, but we also had a creek that converged to make an inlet. Well, the owners of the mansion used to harbor their, their yacht there. So mm-hmm. you we know, the, had that convergence. That's a lot of energy. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the first places uh, I've seen three, two or three times now I've seen a, a spirit that is so physical that I couldn't tell the difference between what it wasn't. And a living person as we were working we were doing a bit of a film on the grounds and uh the film director uh another person and myself after it was done we wrapped up everybody went home we were just checking the grounds make sure we hadn't forgotten maybe that extension cord or whatever yeah and the guy out of place completely it was kind of cool uh temperature wise and this guy was uh he had uh, khaki shorts like safari shorts shirt Big handlebar mustache, hat, uh, a walking stick, and he came up from the lake. There's no, like, there's nothing there to access the walk along the shoreline or nothing because there's no shoreline. It's all rocky, uh, forested, and uh, he came walking up. He said, morning. We, said Good "Morning." we all said, "Good morning." We all saw him. We took about four steps, stopped, and went, "What the?" And we turned around to look at him, and he wasn't there. And it was about four hundred meters to a chain link fence, so there's nowhere he could have gone. Right. But he looked as as real and as you know as any living person he might pass in the street. Yeah.
0: You know, that's that's the you know, that, that activity not- is is it is bizarre, and it's it's so in your face. And there was just so much activity that you were able to report in these books. It kind of makes me think about, like, I wonder. You know, because you hear about people uh, who, who who never experience any of this stuff in their entire lives. They'll go their whole lives, never see a yep. good, n- you know, no weirdness. Do you think uh, part of this lies on the actual living person? Like, is there is there something special going on that allows you to perceive this stuff more so? Or is the paranormal just happening w- w- no matter what? Like, it's, you know, you're going to see it because it's happening.
1: Well, yeah, I think the paranormal does happen, regardless of what you believe or don't believe. But what I do believe is there's a scale, experience your scale, Um, just like anything. There's, you know, there's a spectrum, right? From zero to 100. And some people will fall in certain areas of that scale. You might be, like a medium or a clairvoyant might be up near the 100 mark of the scale. And then you have, People. some of the people I know, they're closer to the zero. Nothing ever happens, they never experience anything. And I think it's the way the brain is designed and how it's wired. For people like myself, the longer I immerse myself in it and go looking for it, and you start to recognize uh, signs and symptoms of the paranormal, you start moving up the scale. You start understanding more and you start Experiencing more because, well, you're looking for it, first of all, and you're putting yourself in those locations. Um, I have an older brother that doesn't believe in this stuff, and yet he's experienced it a few times. He just brushes it off. You know, he came home to his apartment one day, and every door in the apartment was closed, and he lived mm-hmm. alone, and he didn't close the door. So, yeah. oh, that's weird, right? Okay. But he doesn't question it, he doesn't take that further and go, well, what happened? Just go. Oh, it's weird. I'm gonna have a sandwich. So, you know, (laughs) so to him it doesn't exist because it's it's quick dismissal. Just don't look at it. Don't question it. You know, so these things happen. It's how we perceive it and what we do with that information. You know, if I see something weird and I go, ah, it's a Tuesday, whatever, (laughs) and so it's not paranormal to me. It's just something really weird happened. And I didn't want to deal with it. So I just moved on.
2: Yeah.
1: So uh, when somebody asks me, I, I don't believe in that stuff. So it's, it's really how, how the brain's wired and how we perceive stuff, and how we're going to deal with it. Right. I've talked to a lot of different people and, and they'll tell me that they don't believe in this stuff. But they'll, right after they say they don't believe in it, they'll tell me four or five experiences they've had. And I'm like perplexed you just said you didn't believe in it but you know your grandmother visited you went, went after she died and so which is it i that's <laughs> very uh very confusing to me but it's just they don't want to believe it yeah. they see it but they don't want it yeah
0: yeah um I, and i was just going to say i was going to tack on to what you were saying there that uh the longer that i do just the show and, and, and look into this kind of research and this literature and just the deeper and deeper that I go. Um, yeah, it feels almost like it. I become, I become more sensitive to it. And I, I have gotten very good at seeing the things that are happening now that, you know, five years ago, I, I personally would have just brushed off. I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, it's a Tuesday. I'm gonna go get a sandwich but now I, I see the significance of it. And uh, and and I'm able to, like, I, I don't know, just see things that I never would have seen before. So yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you stare into the void long enough, at a certain point, it's gonna stare back.
1: It's, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. It yeah. just, you know, I just, uh, I see a lot of stuff. I'm not gonna clairvoyant or what but I'm sensitive to it because I've immersed myself into it for so many years that, uh, Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I get that feeling. When I walk into a place, I can, you know, you get that. hair stand up, and you're like, okay, there's something, something cool happening here. Look into it. And then other places, you walk in and go, there's nothing here. You yeah. know, And usually, right. Not always, mm-hmm. but yeah. Sometimes, you know. Sometimes it, you know but I was talking about this other case this morning with my assistant director. He, uh, he said, well, there was it, it was sort of active, but not really. active. I said, well, it's only the first visit. So sometimes the first visit, even though it might be the most haunted place you've ever been, may not uh, demonstrate any activity at all because they're sizing you up. Like, what are they doing? What's that equipment? Um, so they're quiet. Uh, we've done that. We walked into a place and got nothing. Went back the next weekend and went, wow, blown out of the water because of the activity. So right. it's, uh, you know, sometimes they're quiet too. They just like, well, what's this guy up to? So they don't do anything. They don't say anything. They don't make a noise. And then, uh, and then once they, they figure you out, then, uh, then everything goes wild.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that is that when it's a good idea? Because this is something else that I noticed about your investigation style that I don't really see a lot in, in other folks' investigations. Is that when it's a good idea to do push record and then leave the area because you did this multiple times and, and you always got yeah, a really great evidence from it. Yeah.
1: Well, we do. And, uh, you know, and that's from my, my security law enforcement background, right. Deploying uh, surveillance equipment. And, uh, it's really the workhorse of, of the group because you can't, you're not going to be able to fudge the, uh, the audio video surveillance. We're going to put it there. And if something happens, it's going to catch it. So we will go into a place saturated with audio video cameras, high quality stuff that's been modified to what we need. And then um, and then we'll go for lunch or for breakfast or whatever, or just go outside and have coffee or, and let it work because what we found, I mean, years and years ago, most places are not haunted by one spirit. There's always a multitude of spirits there. And they are like the rest of us, social, and they'll talk. And when they talk, they will sometimes use each other's names. And we're recording all of this data. So we come back, we take the stuff we don't know in real time, of course. But we'll take it. My brother's the uh, analyst, and he'll take it home and he'll analyze it and he'll get all these hits and he'll call me and I have to come over and either look or listen at what's going on. And then we draw our intelligence for our next visit from that data. So now we might have a name or two names or, or something. So we now know these two people might be there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that gives us a few things to do. What are they talking about? Who are they? What gender, what they, were they? So that we can lead to some new questions when we go in. And it also gives me another avenue. I have a couple of names. Um, how are they, or were they associated with that property? So now historical research, because extremely, which has is, which is played out in a lot of cases. Uh, one of the books that I'm working on right now is a fantastic, image. it's just, uh, you know, we went in, we did this, we got a young boy talking to an older woman. He called her, Miriam, he said, Miriam, you're all alive, he said, he said, thank you, dear. And uh, so we had that recording, so now we have her name. So you know, fast forward uh, a couple of months and we brought a medium in, and um, our mediums never know anything, they were not told anything. And, uh, she came in and detected this older woman, and she said her name is Miriam. Pretty good evidence. I mean, of. Pretty good, yeah.
0: Home,
1: and now her. And then, fast forward again, the owner calls us one day, and she said, we were doing some work up in the, in the old place, and uh, we took a wall. We, we, we had to open up a wall because we were building a bathroom, and uh, they found all this old stuff they used to use for insulation, which was newspapers and magazines back in the day. She said, well, you like to look at them. I said, yeah. So we went and looked at them. And uh, these were church magazines from uh, 1905 19... through 1907. And the delivery uh, header on the on the page there was for Miriam. We used to live in the house. So now you have three sources saying that Miriam's here, including herself. So wow. I mean, when you talk about evidence, that's real evidence, right? It's a bunch yeah. of pieces that support each other. So, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, yes, that's, that's, it's, it's, that's, that's the point that it gets to that it's undeniable. And any skeptic is going to come up behind you and that, you know, they'll always have a reason why it can't be, you know, an excuse why, but that's, that's some undeniable stuff there, like three yeah. separate sources of the same yeah. information, you know, that's incredible. Yeah.
1: It was, you know, it's thrilling throw it's, When you get that, it's just throwing.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, it's- I would be so excited. Well, that and that, you know, I I got to thinking about the people that are kind of left behind in mm-hmm. these in these homes. Um, are they are they stuck there? Is that no. what's going on? Is that a haunting?
1: No, no they're not stuck. They're that's where they choose to be. Comes down to choice. Okay. So I I I did write a very extensive theory. It's called the Memory Matrix, uh, mm-hmm. which includes the Memory Bubble. It's complex, there's a lot of moving parts in it, it's a long theory, um, but in a nutshell, uh, we pass away and over, over three days, we go through a life review. And during that life review, we're looking at uh, everything we did in our life uh, from birth to death, you know, whether that death was uh, untimely or, or goes right to the end. Uh, along the way, you're going to see and experience things that you did that are either going to make you happy or upset you. And you have a choice. So a lot of these spirits we never hear from, along the way, they, they stop and they see something fantastic. It was maybe the best part of their life, right? They just got married and had a kid, or they were in their 20s up at the cottage partying with all their friends, and they can pick that little slice of time to exist. And it becomes a memory bubble that grows and you can include anybody you want living or dead will exist because you've created a a facsimile of of them how they act react how they deal with you and you build your own reality now they're so far removed from us we never hear from them the ones we hear from go all the way to the end and they pick that time right and it's usually because uh, they weren't happy about something uh, somebody did something wrong to them or they did something bad and they're hiding a secret. Um, so those are the ones we normally find. And they've chosen it. They've okay. chosen this as so to separate that even further. Like John Paul, John Paul II uh, said before his death, heaven and hell are not specific places. They're what you make of. And that's what this theory is about is that you've, so I'm 20, I'm having a great time, all my friends at the cottage. That's a slice of heaven. Or I'm at the end here where I, I've done bad things or I have a, I've had bad things done to me. So I have a story or a secret. That's a slice of hell. Now you're going through all that over constantly, constantly. So you can make choices along the way. And those, those are the ones right at the end that we find. They're not stuck. It's where they want to be. It's where they've chosen okay. to be. Um, we are our harshest critic. So yeah. because they're there, it's where they put themselves. Nobody's put them there. Um, okay. And this is why I say we don't. Uh, I, I actually fired a medium from the team because she would like to go in and clear houses. We don't do that because oh. you're clearing from from, from a place they're supposed to be to where? That, who, who gave you the authority to say, I'm right and you're wrong, and they have to move along? We've oh, okay. actually had an entity on EVP crying because she's, Oh, I'm going to clear this place. And she was talking to another spirit crying. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? heartbreaking. So I fired her. I said, "You're out. Huh. We, we can't. So we we can't assume that we have the authority to do these things."
0: Right, right. So no, no crossing, crossing people over. No, none of that. Don't do that. Right, right. Okay. Right.
1: Unless it's absolutely one hundred percent necessary,
2: okay. like a rescue,
1: like in overshadows. the girl. There was a girl, suicidal girl, came back, and she was being manipulated and used by an older spirit that was there. Then she was starting to, to, she was a sweet girl, and she was being turned into something not good. And uh, we brought in a, a medium from a spiritual church that had to move her on. But we sent her to meet up with family, her grandfather. She had a close tie with her grandfather who was deceased. So we sent her there. We just didn't kick her out of the house. But only those type of extreme circumstances should we be doing that. Because, uh, you know, I go back to the, uh, the old party idea. Uh, and that's, uh, um, you know, the parents are out. So the kids call their friends and they come over and they're having a crazy party in the house. Mm-hmm. And then the parents come home and they go, everybody out. So who listens? All the polite ones. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm out. And all the kids leave. Except that one brooding, miserable guy that's tougher than everybody else, standing in the corner and nobody notices. Now everybody's gone. What do you think going to happen? So it's the same thing with spirits. There's good and there's bad. There's usually a balance. If you say you go into a house and clear, you're clearing all the ones that listen to you, agree with you. Sure. Okay, we'll go. Cool. We'll go. No problem. Then you leave. Well, what do you do with the bad ones that haven't listened and refuse to go? Yeah. Now who's who's minding the store now, and where's the balance? So we usually get a call after that's happened. Oh, we had the place cleared, and now it's crazy. It's gone out of control. Well, I can't ask them to come back because I don't. I don't have that ability. So now we've got to deal with these problem ones. So it's a mess. Yeah, and all and- you know, these people roam the roam the countryside, clearing buildings and clearing houses, and have no idea or responsibility for what they're doing.
0: And is that is that when you end up with like poltergeistic activity is is those, uh, you know, kind of darker, maybe more negative, stubborn ones? Is that poltergeist?
1: No, people can call it poltergeist. I I have a problem with the poltergeist thing. I'm working on a working on a that theory right now. Poltergeist is to me is more of a more of a thought form or a a topa that's gone out of Mm -hmm. control or maybe the the originator has passed away and lost control of it and it's out there roaming and it causes mm-hmm. all kinds of trouble rather than uh because i've seen places that are like fusion boarded up for 10 years not a kid for 10 mile radius mm-hmm. and we're seeing poltergeist activity yeah so where is that, that coming from it doesn't fit any of the theory that they've they've sold us right uh,
2: yeah
1: so i don't know it's uh, I'm, sort of stuck on this poltergeist idea, you know, it's like having two two children and you bring them to a, a friend's house and go, oh, this is my child and this one's my brat. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, they're saying no self-respecting ghost is going to push people or move objects or cause a fire. Right. Well, I hate building little silos because, you know, as people, we like to build little compartments and put things neatly in there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit. I hate doing that. A ghost is a ghost is a ghost. Some are good. Some are bad. Some get frustrated like we do. Sometimes they, they're angry. And emotion plays a huge part in in manifestation and action and reaction. So, you know, that's the catalyst is, is emotion. Yeah. The more, uh, the more emotion they put into it, the more they're going to manifest. The, the deeper they're going to manifest. This is how you trick a spirit into manifestation, into uh, into something you can in fact actually see, is by mm-hmm. working with them on an emotional level, right? because they have. It's the one thing they have is memory, and if you know enough about the spirit, and you can tap into their 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 past and their background and what might be emotional for them, then this is you know we're putting psychology back into parapsychology,
2: so mm-hmm. we're working
1: with the mind. And if we can, you know, sort of push those emotional buttons on a a subject that occurred within their lifetime that is emotional to them, that'll raise their emotional energy and they can't help it. The higher that emotional energy comes, the more they're going to manifest. They can go from from a misty form to a solid form, depending on the energy.
0: Huh. OK. Wow. Wow. Richard, I could talk. To you uh, uh, about this of all freaking day, I I really just enjoy the way your mind works, and just such great ideas. Um, about this stuff and and I learned a, a bunch of new stuff today. I I, I thank you so much for wow. it. This this hour, can you believe it? Look at the recording time. This hour flew by. Right um, wow. I know. I have so much more to ask you. I'll I will have to have you back on at some point when you are available. Uh let's let's quickly let's veer and go into our final questions, final thoughts, and then uh and then we'll close it out here. So I only have a couple for you here. Uh I was just curious. Uh, one of your final questions is just how your methods and approach to investigating uh, changed over the years. Like, what what did that trajectory look like? Like, did you begin with s- set in stone like thoughts about it, and then by the end, you know, forty years later, it's totally different. Did it change at all for you? What's that look like?
1: Well, <laughs> it changed in the in the sense that uh, when I started, you know. I I was doing this before it was cool and <laughs> long before there was uh digital long before internet yeah long, you know we didn't have cell phones we didn't have all this technology so when I started it was you know paranormal stone age <laughs> uh we were using uh cameras that you know uh you had to go get the film developed uh if you if you could afford it you you were using handheld uh cameras that used you know uh, super 8 film you were using baby powder. I mean, I'm not disparaging uh, the old the old ways because some of them still work, and we, we still use them today, like the baby powder trick. Um, you know, we used magnetic tape instead of digital. Mm-hmm. So it, it did evolve. The technology evolved. Uh, not, not a lot of the technology is good, good stuff, but some of it's really good. The fact that they don't have to pay four or five hundred dollars for uh, developing all this film because you know you take three or four hundred shots at a location every night—it would get really expensive. So I love the way that evolved, but when you, when you when you look at analog recordings and digital recordings, we're still finding finding that the analog works better. Where I've had a, a tape recorder and. A, like a micro cassette tape recorder and a digital recorder side by side. And I've had EVPs on the magnetic tape, not on the digital, Wow! which, which I don't understand because they're, they're within inches of each other. They should be detecting yeah. the same, same phenomenon, uh, phenomenon, but they're not, not every time. So
0: that makes yeah. you wonder too, like how much are people missing? Because yeah. they don't they rely solely on digital and they don't know what they're actually getting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that was just, you know, it was just a test. It was just a test. You know, somebody said, Oh, I wonder if this works better. Okay, let's test it. And we tested it. Yeah. And that's how you do it. It's you just, you know, you come up with a crazy idea, and test it, see if it works. You know, half most of the time it doesn't work, but when it does, then you got something to talk about.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome. All right. Um just one more final question for you. Uh, what is the biggest mistake that you are seeing new investigators making?
1: New investigators?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think going in unprepared, right? If you're going to make communication and you have some idea of the history, prepare thought invoking questions. Um, I see a lot of them just go in and it's the same standard stuff. I mean, these these poor st- spirits are probably bored out of their mind because it's the same question over and over and over right? right or are you here can you show me a sign uh, what's your name you know what date is it but get into some deep seated questions what is it like where you are give me a, are you are you cold are you hot like do they feel temperature you know find out what it's like to be a spirit and what are they experiencing because even spirits can, believe it or not, experience the paranormal. People don't realize that. And they'll tell each other, it was creepy, I just saw, you won't believe what I saw. Well, that sounds normal, for us. But it sounds really weird coming from one spirit to another spirit. Right? So they're experiencing weird stuff as well. You know, and that's a whole other area to start investigating. It's, you know, the the thing is, we we go in with um, certain questions expectations i guess and uh we we ask those questions but i think where the mistake is being made is when you come out thinking you have all the answers every time you get to ask a question and you get an answer you should have 10 more questions yeah you should never have come to the end and say i know it all because you can't there's no way for every question you you have answered you should have or build another 10 questions how did it work? How did they do that? There's always another question, so it's perpetual. You're always going to have to move forward and work mm-hmm. this out right
2: yeah, yeah,
0: just like uh just like this conversation today. I've ended with you, <laughs> Richard, with a hundred more questions, um, but that Perfect. that that will be it for today. You know, to be continued. Uh, why don't you uh, tell folks where they can go to learn more, where they can buy your books?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you can check me out at uh, my website, thesearchergroup.ca, or you can email me at richard@thesearchergroup.ca. At uh, look me up on Facebook. Um, And if you're interested in my books, uh, you can go to Amazon or any good bookseller should be able to get them for you or just Google me and uh, I should pop up.
0: (laughs) All right. And to (laughs) close out the episode, uh, why don't you leave my audience with uh, any final thoughts, words of wisdom, or a piece of advice?
1: Oh God, Uh, wisdom. (laughs) I'm still working on that part. You know what? I, I, I think, one of the most important things an investigator needs to have is a sense of humor Um, because if you go into a place without that sense of humor and things start to happen and you get in a high strangeness, it's going to take a toll on you and it can can get very serious. That toll can cause all kinds of problems, right, with uh, mental health issues as well because you get depressed and you start realizing the situation they're in and stuff like that. But you, you need to keep a sense of humor. And uh, it doesn't hurt to laugh at stuff. So, you know, keep that in mind.
0: Paranormal investigator and researcher Richard Palmisano, thank you so much for joining me today. I
1: appreciate you having me. and uh, Thank you so much.
0: Major, major gratitude to Richard for coming on the show. Learn more about him and the searcher group at the links that I have provided. After this interview wrapped... I did indeed jump backstage with Richard, and we had a really interesting chat about shadow people. If you wish to catch this and many other backstage guest chats and enjoy early access to these episodes, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Paranorm Girl Pod. Join any one of the four tiers and get access to all kinds of extra content and perks like no ads. Ooh, yes! My new patrons also receive a very special shout-out on the show. For instance, today, I would like to shout-out my squatchy brother and supporter extraordinaire Dwayne who recently joined my top tier, and he is top tier for doing so. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I am so glad to have met you this season and have really appreciated all of your input and our chats on social. And I very much look forward to seeing you at Squatch Fest, sir. Thank you sincerely, Dwayne. Your support means so much to me, man. But wait, there's more. Brenda H. also joined my top tier, AKA the paranormal investigator tier. How apropos for this specific episode! You have my utmost gratitude for becoming a patron and showing your support in this way, Miss Brenda. Thank you so much for your listenership and for contributing to the PGP cause. Now, one major perk of joining. The Paranormal Investigator tier is receiving your very own Paranorm Girl t-shirt, courtesy of my chaotic efforts with the show artwork on the front, courtesy of artist David Linneberry's incredible and original artwork on the back, and courtesy of Boondougal Printing for, you know, printing the shirts. So Dwayne and Brenda will be receiving those items to enjoy and uh, to wear at all of their upcoming high fashion functions. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, uh, be sure you give a high score on any listening platform or do the, the thumbs up, subscribe and notify me boogie on YouTube. And follow the show on social at Paranorm Girl Pod. That is a wrap for today's episode. But never fear. Y'all know there's more where this came from. So I will see you guys Tuesday. Until next week, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.